Welcome back to the GOAT Show, everybody. It is Wednesday, August 25th. We are recording two days in a row like it's some kind of Christmas in August miracle. Um, (laughs) Back with Ryan here today. Ryan, how's it going? Good, good. How about you? Not too bad. Uh, We also have a special guest. My cat uh, is sitting on my lap to stop her from scratching at the door. Um, (laughs) So let's see how that goes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh so we left things off last week or not last week we're recording more than once a week now uh last episode with the afc west um and very on brand with that it was just announced today that the broncos have named their starting quarterback and i understand that ryan has some thoughts that he would like to share on that so i'll let him take the floor for a minute yeah um I just kind of thought it was odd that they started Teddy over a lock. I was always kind of operating under the assumption that they really brought in Teddy just for some competition competition. And just in case lock didn't have it, they would put him in as a four raiser, but it just doesn't make sense to me that Teddy would be starting week one. And it makes me wonder that if the Broncos were this unsold on drew lock, why didn't they just draft Justin Fields when he was available and instead they took Patrick Sertain? Sertan. <laughs> I, I still haven't figured this out, but they took they took Sertain and added him to a part of their team that's already their biggest strength when they could have drafted the quarterback when they weren't have already. It just kind of confused me. Yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, I think when in doubt, give the young guy with more potential a chance. And then Mm -hmm. if he doesn't live up to expectations, um, then you put in the safety net. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's definitely an interesting move. Um, Because yeah, Bridgewater might have a higher floor for them, but he definitely caps their ceiling, in my opinion. Uh, just looking at what he did yeah. with the Panthers last year, especially. Um, mm-hmm. It's realistic. This could be a 10, 12 win team. I like, mm-hmm. like we said yesterday, optimistically. Um, but with Teddy in there, I think that's definitely a lot closer to eight, maybe nine. Uh, which probably wouldn't be mm. enough in a strong AFC this year. So we'll have to see how that goes, um, how long he stays in. From what I understand, I think it was Benjamin Albright, who's like the Broncos' leading beat reporter. Um, he said that through camp, like Locke had more touchdowns and less interceptions than Teddy. So it's kind of confusing, but um, we'll have to see how it goes. We don't make the decisions. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off, but I Go ahead. like Locke, at least in my opinion, in the preseason, he was making good reads. He would go for 21. And, like, if they were this, you know, unsold on Locke, like I said before, Justin Fields was right there when they were drafting. And it's also ironic because we're going to be talking about Justin Fields later on. Yeah. But um I I just don't 
this pass on feels and not and, and maybe you know do it like what the Bears are doing and then start Teddy and then try to start Fields later and and see if he can you know elevate the team that they have right now, which like you said, is playoff caliber team. I'm just kind of scratching my head right now with, with that decision, but I, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, more risky going with Locke, so maybe it was just out of fear. Um, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? Only time will tell. Um, I would definitely guess we see some Locke at this point this season, probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just have a hard time seeing Teddy necessarily like playing himself out of the starting job because obviously he's a pretty pretty solid starter. So I don't really see him playing bad enough unless their offense just really wasn't getting a going and they were losing games because they weren't you know weren't able to score. But I just feel like it's weird because I just don't see Teddy Bridgewater playing bad enough to be benched. Yeah, I don't know. They do have a relatively easier start to the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Starting off first three weeks, uh, playing the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. So those are very winnable games um, with Teddy, I think. But then after that, they go to they play the, they host the Ravens. Then they're in Pittsburgh. Um, then we got the Raiders, Browns, Washington Football Team. Uh, it definitely gets a little Ooh. tougher. Um, especially defensively. Yeah, for sure. Looking uh, at all the three A's North teams, yeah. Yeah, a lot more pressure on that offense to compete, um, okay. which who knows how Teddy will do with that. Yeah, it, it even makes more sense for Locke to start with the easier opening schedule to get him in rhythm earlier. Like yeah, get some momentum going. Um, yeah. And then really go at it with those teams. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I'll never pretend to know more than NFL coaches and executives, but right now I'm just – I'm confuzzled. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say maybe Teddy will come out and throw 30-plus touchdowns, uh, but he hasn't thrown more than 15 in a full season starting yet. So – Oh, yeah. You never know. The NFL is the league of you never know, so – yeah. Yeah, only time will tell. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's just about it on that. Let's get into our topics for today, uh, which is the mm-hmm. NFC North preview and predictions, starting off the NFC with one of the better teams last year, um, making it all the way to the NFC Championship game, the Green Bay again. Packers. Um, sorry, what was that? I said again. Yeah, yeah. Um, a familiar stage in recent years, but <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, so, yeah, obviously a lot of news coming out of there this year. Um, but starting things off, they did a pretty good job keeping the band together. Um, <laughs> they did lose Corey Lindsley, their center. Uh, really strong season last year. And then Jamal Williams, who was their RB2, but we'll mention it in a second. They're not going to miss him too much. Uh, and then linebacker Christian Kirksey um, was another loss there. Uh, on the flip side, they brought in 
Devondre Campbell, a veteran linebacker, should be able to fill that Kirksey role. Um, Dennis Kelly, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, um, a man with more career playoff touchdown receptions than Odell Beckham Jr. And <laughs> um, just had to slide that in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember when that happened. I made a really strong meme about it, so that stuck with me ever since. Um, no. <laughs> uh, at Aaron Rodgers' advisory, they brought back Randall Cobb. Um, interesting to see what he can do. And then in the draft, first round, they got Eric Stokes, uh, defensive back out of Georgia, and then um, hopefully a replacement center in Josh Myers out of Ohio State. So, yeah, not a ton of turnover there, um, which is good for a team that was so strong last year. Uh, I think the def, yeah, like the biggest narrative, of course, is the fact that Rodgers is back after so much speculation. Um, but yeah, he's back, and I think he's really out for blood this year. I mean, we saw what he did last year when he was a little frustrated. Um, he, you know, casually became the first player in NFL history to throw 45 touchdowns with five, sorry, 45 or more touchdowns uh, with five or less interceptions uh, on way to a MVP and a NFC championship game appearance. So I don't know. What do you think? Can he bring the same heat in 2021? I mean, it's hard. Like you said, I was historic. His touchdown interception ratio was adding that up with his efficiency, it's super hard to replicate that. So he's bound to quote, quote, unquote, progress. However, I still expect him to be an elite quarterback and playing at an elite level. Their offense should still be one of the top tier offenses in football. Uh, Just looking at the team in general, I expect him to be pretty similar to what they were last year, just less potent. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see Rodgers having a very good season once again. I don't really see how he doesn't unless injuries or, you know, the offensive line takes a big step back, which could happen, although I, I really don't. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just looking at Rodgers' past, his only other season with uh, 45 or more touchdowns, which was 2011, he followed that up with 39 in 2012. So you're right, a bit of a step back, but uh, I don't think think anyone should be too worried about that. A couple other stories with the offense. Obviously, Williams is gone. Uh, Jamal Williams, sorry. Uh, So that leaves Aaron Jones. And why didn't I write his first name down? Because I forget, uh, brain empty, A.J. Dillon. Um, yeah, as their top two backs, uh, which is nice because they both averaged over five yards of carry last year, which is very strong. Um, so yeah, complimenting a great quarterback like Rogers, um, with a solid run game never hurts, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, not much else to say there. Looking at their receivers, um, this is something that was kind of interesting last year. Obviously, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Um, likely the best in the league. Definitely top two, I, I would I think, say. 
I don't I think have... anyone would argue that. Yeah, I, I have him as the best, but I can see an argument for really any of the top five receivers, in my opinion, to be considered the best. It's a really loaded position in the league right now with yeah. an insane amount of talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so obviously Adams led them in receiving last year uh, with 1,374 yards. But after that was Marquez Valdez-Scantling with 690 um, so you'd think with the, just the sheer amount they were passing last year, um, that maybe you'd have a stronger number two. Um, but nobody really stepped up as much as, I don't know, somewhat hope. Um, so looking at this year, obviously, like we said, Randall Cobb is back on the roster, obviously not in his prime, but he does have that, um, chemistry with Rogers already. I put in the notes that Devin Funches is back from a COVID opt-out last year, but I just heard like 10 minutes before we started recording that he was going on IR. So, yeah, we'll just scratch that. Um, And like I said, with uh, MVS and Alan Lazard being a little underwhelming, they were sixth and seventh in the league. in terms of drop rate last year, which you hate to see. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what, on this receiving group outside of Adams? I mean, it surely adds to Rogers' great season that he was able to put up such high numbers with high volume and high efficiency with, without a legit like number two receiver next really something they should have been going after for, in my opinion, the past couple of seasons now, you know, going Jordan Love in the first round a couple of years ago, <laughs> which could end up being very helpful in the future. He's, he's had a really good preseason, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – I expect their offense to be similar, like I said, and I don't expect it to be too much of a problem, especially with Cobb back to – sort of help Rodgers out. Like you said, he's not in his prime, but he can still contribute in his own ways, and their run game should still be very good. So there's still a lot of talent on that offense, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, They should definitely feed the run game a little bit more this year, I would think. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if I had to guess, um, I would probably say that – um, Valdez Scantling sticks, uh, yeah, stays around that second, um, leading receiver spot, uh, just because of how effective he was downfield last year. He led them uh-huh. in yards per reception with 20.9, which is really good. Um, yeah. so if you can stay consistent with that, making those big plays, um, definitely catch the ball. being in the situation <laughs> that he is. So, Mm-hmm. yeah um switching things over to the defense they were very solid last year um off of a pretty good 2019 as well um like i mentioned earlier devon campbell should fill in a linebacker for kirksey just fine um so not a lot to worry about there if anyone was um 
I think the biggest issue last year was uh, outside of Zedaria Smith, I thought they had a lot of trouble getting after the passer um, because Smith led them with 12 and a half sacks, but second on the team was Rashawn Gary with five. Um, And that's, yeah, outside of that, like Preston Smith had 12 in 2019, but kind of dipped this year. So, that's definitely something I'd like to see more of. Um, but outside of that, they were solid last year. They were 13th in scoring, 9th in total yards, uh, but only 25th in takeaways, which is something you'd like to see increase. Uh, obviously, it's nice playing on a team that never turns the ball over. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on where this defense is at? Yeah, like you said, they are they – are- pretty good borderline top 10 would you consider them top 10 defense i don't off the top of my head i wouldn't right now yeah me uh, but they're definitely fringe above average in that yeah and, and they have players like Zedarius smith who you talked about who i consider among the top yeah among the like the elite edge rushers or at least nearing it and um zaire alexander corner who, in my opinion, is the top three corner. So there is a decent amount of talent on that defense, especially if, like, Rashawn Gary uh, continues to develop. So um, I think that they're as long as they're solid, they stay above average, uh, and the offense remains elite, they're, they're fine, in my opinion. As long, like, as, long as they uh, don't turn the ball over, like you said, which isn't really much of a problem for Aaron Rodgers throughout his entire career. It's remarkable how he's just avoids interceptions. He might be the greatest quarterback ever at avoiding interceptions. If that yeah, makes sense. For sure. Like his ratio is insane. Um, I don't have their numbers right now, but yeah, his like to have as many touchdowns as he does and less than a hundred interceptions at this point in his career is unreal. Playing for over a decade too. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the biggest thing to watch for with them this year is can they beat the bucks? Um, (laughs) I see last year they finished 13 and three in the regular season. First loss came in Tampa Bay. uh, We just got, absolutely demolished like after going into that game they were scoring they scored 30 points each of the first four weeks and they got held to 10 um yeah crazy and after that um they had a one score loss to the vikings which yeah that'll happen with a divisional opponent and then <laughs> their only other loss in the regular season was a 34 to 31 overtime loss uh to the colts which obviously were a solid unit last year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was smooth sailing until they ran into the Bucks again. So what do you think? Like, can they get it done this year? Like, it, like to win the NFC or win the Super Bowl? Do you, uh, I just think, like, in terms of getting through Tampa Bay. I mean, they were very close last year, and they had so many opportunities with Brady – practically throwing the game away, throwing an interception on three consecutive drives. And so, yeah, I mean, I think they can. 
you know, I mean, Rodgers, to an, ex- to an extent, did what he could in that NFC Championship game. And you can argue with what LaFleur did with um, kicking that field goal, that they should have gone for it. I, I do think it's somewhat close. I do think it's close between them, although I would still consider the Bucks the better roster and the better team at the moment. Yeah, for sure. But you can't fully count out Rodgers, in my opinion. Um, I do agree that overall they're probably a better team, but quarterback is the most important position in the league for a reason. Um, yeah, yeah, games can go so many different ways, and you never know. Like, what if the Packers ever came out against them and got some plays down the field and went up early or ball bounces a certain way? You never know, so... I think the Packers are good enough to beat Tampa, but I, I wouldn't necessarily predict it because I just think Tampa. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that like, you just have to see it first, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, uh, yeah. Yeah, with that, I am ready to get into the into the prediction story if you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm all good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so starting things off with the – optimistic i have 15 and 2 realistic is 10 and 7 which i think might be a little low looking back at it mm. um and then pessimistic i ended up with 5 and 12 which is like an absolute worst case scenario i don't really remember what was going through my head when i ended up with that but um yeah just looking at who they're playing this year. Obviously, the division should be more competitive than it was last year. Uh, They have to play the Chiefs, Seahawks, Saints, and then the entire AFC North, which has three playoff caliber teams. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any way that they actually lose out on all of those, but that's just kind of how... Just kind of how it played out here. So... Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think... 10, 10 and 7 was probably a bit too low. I definitely think like 12 to 14 is very possible. Mm-hmm. What do you have for yours? Uh, uh, my optimistic was one less than yours at 14 and 3. Obviously, their offense is elite again, which I ex- would expect. And their defense, you know, maybe even plays above their means and and is like a borderline top 10 defense. I think 14 to 3, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. My realistic is 12 and 5, which is actually tied for the best record in this division among my predictions. And the second team in the NFC North, which I'll explain in a little bit, uh, rather ironically, my pessimistic is um 10 and 7. So uh it's really just if they lose some of their swing games like you said against the AFC North or within their division. We also talked about last podcast you can't predict injuries. So like pessimistic is like the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is a ton of injuries. But um just looking at their team and the worst that they can do in my in my opinion that would be 10 and 7. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't. 
there's just a lot of good teams that they're going up against. Um, so if they somehow manage to lose every single one of those, which I don't think will happen, um, <laughs> then that's how they'd end up. But I don't think they should be too worried about that. Um, hmm. but yeah, I think that wraps things up nicely for the Packers, unless you had something else to add. Oh, the only thing I'd say, I only think I would say is that I, I still think that they are contenders and I would consider them one of the top five teams in the NFC. And I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow found a way to get to the Super Bowl. It's, it's been kind of a long time coming for them with how many good teams they've had over the Yeah, especially something to watch with uh, Rodgers potentially leaving after this season if they can um, finally get all the way back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Um Took a year off from the playoffs, <laughs> hoping to get back <laughs> to it um, after a quick kind of, don't want to say rebuild, just kind of a retool, uh, had some cap issues and worked some things around. Um, so I think they're looking a lot better on paper than they did last year. They let uh, Anthony Harris and safety, Kyle Rudolph, longtime tight end, and Riley Reef leave in free agency. Um and then they brought in veteran corner Patrick Peterson uh, from the Cardinals. One of those moves that kind of got overlooked, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Peterson still has some left in the tank. So it'll be interesting to see what he does there. Um, a lot of work on the defensive front, bringing in Sheldon Richardson, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants, and bringing back Everson Griffin. Um and then more work offensively. They brought in wide receiver D.D. Westbrook, which is kind of a name to watch as they're looking for kind of a number three target behind Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, and then in the draft, they were able to land uh, tackle Christian Derrissaw, which should be should be a good upgrade for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to let you start things off. What are your thoughts on this team right now? The Vikings are a team that I'm actually super high on, and I think that they are dark horse contenders in the NFC. And as I can see, I, you don't seem like you agree with that too much by your predictions. But, um, yeah, I just think that their offense was elite last year despite the pressure that was put on them by their defense performing so poorly, which I would not blame on the coaches because of, how many injuries they suffer having to put practice squad caliber players in games because they were so injured at important positions like corner. Uh, you look at their main offensive players, you have a top three back in the NFL, in my opinion, in Dalvin Cook, two top 15 receivers in Thielen and Jefferson, and a top 15 quarterback in Kirk Cousins leading the way for what was one of the top tier offenses in football last season. But I think where they really take a huge jump is on defense, getting back the most underrated edge rusher in the league, in my opinion, and Daniel Hunter, not to mention Anthony Barr coming back, getting Dalvin Tomlinson and Patrick Peterson on that defense to join with Harrison, oh, elite players Harrison Smith and uh, Eric Kendricks were already there. Mike Zimmer's defenses are typically 
good every single season under the Vikings. Last season being the outlier, and that was really just because of so much weirdness with COVID and injuries. I think that with all the additions they've made and getting healthier, that they can be a top 10 defense in the league shooting up that high. And um, I think that the NFC North this season will be a dogfight between the Vikings and Green Bay for the division winner. And I think that the Vikings squeak it out narrowly with the same record as Green Bay at 12 and five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of going off what you said about the defense, it was definitely a weird year because they had been historically really good um, lately, but they went from the fifth best scoring defense in 2019 to 29th last year. Um like you said, a lot of that was just the injuries with uh, Daniel Hunter being out uh, with that and some of the cuts they had to make. They literally had all new starters all along the defensive line. Um, and then, yeah, aside from that, they also, because they let Xavier Rhodes walk before last season, um, <laughs> just all new secondary, well, aside from the safeties, uh, sorry, just the corners. Um, starting two rookies, I believe, including first round pick Jeff Gladney, who is no longer on the roster due to some unfortunate situations there. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. They should be able to take that step back up this year, just with how, with how strong their defensive front had been in the past and just how off it was last year. I think just bringing that personnel back should, um, should do them a lot of good. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, maybe I'm, and I also say, um, I, I teams that tend to be really good have a lot of depth on a defensive line, and I really feel like the Vikings have that now, especially with their recent acquisition of getting Evers and Griffin back, and uh, when they signed Sheldon Richardson way back when, I I just think that they're they're going to have a ton of depth and a ton of good pass rushers. And I think that's going to be really vital for them going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another minor thing I was thinking about um, is, yeah, like I mentioned with their third receiver spot um, outside of the top two, they were a little lacking last mm-hmm. year um, with Justin Jefferson finishing with an astounding 1,400 yards as a rookie and Thielen coming just outside 1,000 and 15 games. Um, But their third leading receiver was tight end Irv Smith Jr. with 365 yards. Um, So with Kyle Rudolph gone, that should free up some targets and especially a bigger role for the other tight end there. And like I said, they brought in Westbrook. So should be, at least just for the wide receivers, should be a slight upgrade for some more depth there. Uh, do you have any thoughts about, you know, the depth in this receiving group? Oh, I, I actually like Irv Smith Jr. a lot. And I could think, I think that he might be in for a uh, semi-big season for a tight end. Uh, just for how open that offense is going to be, especially with D.D. Westbrook helping to open the field up. I could just see him being 
good in the, you know that high play action Vikings offense. I could see him putting up some decent numbers alongside Thielen and Jefferson, who are obviously the premier players on that receiving core. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at Kyle Rudolph, what he's done um, in 10 seasons in Minnesota. He was a two-time Pro Bowler um, and, yeah, had had a number of seasons over, like, 500 yards. I think his most was 840 in 2016. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the stats now. Uh, so there's definitely a role for Irv Smith Jr. if he, yeah, if he can step up and take it. Hmm. And I think he can. He's he's pretty talented, and I and I think it's time for him to make a nice jump for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's everything else I wanted to say about that. If you're ready to get into the predictions, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, as you mentioned, um, my I'm a little bit lower on them than you are. You said you think twelve and five. That's my optimistic prediction for them. Um, and realistic, I have eight and nine, which, yeah, I think eight to 10 wins is probably most likely. Uh, and then pessimistic, I had four and 13, which is like I said with the Packers, just the wheels fall off, they lose every game that could go either way. Um, but yeah, I really don't think that's gonna happen. Um, they should definitely be a lot more competitive than they were last year. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, for mine, my optimistic is fourteen and three. It's if their offense takes another jump from what they have already taken and are basically one of the top three offenses in football, which I could see. I wouldn't necessarily predict, but I could see. And their defense taking a huge jump and being one of the elite in football, which I could see. Would I predict it? Maybe not at the moment, but I, I could see it. Our realistic 12-5 and five is just the reasons I've said before. I think their defense is going to be a lot better. I think their offense is going to be really, really good. And I just think that they can um, legitimately compete for the NFC North division title. And pessimistic at 7-10 and 10 is just really if their defense doesn't take that jump and um, if their offense isn't as potent and takes a step back and they lose some swing games and then lose in their division to the Packers, then yeah, that I, that's how I could see things going awry at seven and 10. But I do think they have a lot of talent. I think they're going to be good on both sides of the ball. And I think that they're going to be a dark horse team to go really far in the playoffs. That's, that's my feeling about Minnesota at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Obviously, their defense should get a lot better, but I don't know if there's a lot of room for their offense to really improve uh, just with how explosive they were last year. I don't know how sustainable that is, um, especially with so much of that coming from just the shock value that Justin Jefferson brought as a rookie receiver. Um, it's very hard to repeat that kind of level of production. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely... Go ahead. I, I agree, but I, I still see, you know, Dalvin Cook still elite. Alex Madison still a fantastic running back, backup. Kirk's still good. I still see their offense being really, you know, really amazing, even if Jefferson takes what's probably an inevitable step back from 1,400 yards. But still, I 
still expect him to be one of the most talented receivers in football, which he is, and for Thielen to be an amazing red zone threat. So I still expect their offense to be really potent, even if it's maybe quote unquote regression from certain guys like Jefferson, but I still expect them to be amazing. Yeah, they should still be a really good unit. Um, but I'd expect about more of the same, which, yeah, paired with that improved defense could easily be a winning team. So definitely an interesting team to watch this year. Um, moving on to the Chicago Bears. Um, as far as offense or offseason turnover, they lost corner Kyle Fuller. Um Starting tackle Charles Charles Leno Jr., uh, Mitch Trubisky, the, the MVP, the only MVP in NFL history, an absolute travesty that he's gone. Um, <laughs> and then return specialist uh, Cordero Patterson. As for additions, they brought in Desmond Trufant, uh, recently signed longtime Eagle Jason Peters, and then uh, yeah complete well kind of revamped the quarterback room with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields and they were also able to snag Tevin Jenkins uh tackle out of Oklahoma State in the second round of the draft um so yeah the Bears were definitely an interesting team last year probably one of the most forgettable playoff teams um I can recall and that was just last season so um yeah I I don't know um <laughs> but yeah, looking at what they have, I think the offense could be pretty interesting, uh, especially if they don't overcommit to Dalton and actually give Fields some time. Um, because mm-hmm. I think I I don't disagree with starting Dalton. because uh, generally I do prefer to err on the side of not rushing rookie quarterbacks. Um, but I think we've seen so far in the preseason just what Fields is capable of. And, yeah, I think it would definitely be in their best interest to get him some opportunities right away. Um, And then you look at some of the weapons they have there with Allen Robinson, with Darnell Mooney, um, and David Montgomery, who was a 1,000-yard back last year. They do have some solid weapons on that offense that just kind of got – silenced a little bit by the kind of mediocre quarterbacks they've had there for the past few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, anything else to add there? About the team in the offense? Oh, uh, just looking at the offense. Yeah, and um, I'm a big fan of Justin Fields. Yeah, I love his talent. From him? Uh, in the preseason, I, I really feel like he's up this game. He looks, in my opinion, faster than what he did at Ohio State. I don't know if you... Interesting. Looks really everything I thought he was, you know, really big arm, good leadership qualities. Uh, I thought in the draft process he was the second best quarter. And as this I still feel the same way. But I just... In college, and going 
through his progressions. And I worry about him, his ability to gain that skill. Line. Um, but Aggie's bad at calling and scheming. I worry about how will affect Justin Jefferson whenever he plays. However, there is skill position talent there, like you said, that was buried by poor quarterback play, like Allen Robinson, like Darnell Mooney, and like David Montgomery. So I do feel like there is stuff for him to work with in terms of skill position. However, I worry about the line. I worry about the play calling. And this is talking for whenever Fields takes the field. No pun intended. Yeah. Whenever Andy Dalton, you know, gets relieved of his duties when they're probably out of playoff contention in the season. Yeah, it'll be – we'll have to keep an eye on how that plays out. I think the absolute earliest we see Fields is halftime of week one. Um, Going down (laughs) to play the Rams. And I think, yeah, like if Dalton comes out and just can't do anything, um, why not give him a shot? I know that is a tough defense, but he -hmm. definitely brings more upside than Dalton does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But to his first start was against the Rams and he survived. So um <laughs> and they won. Yeah, I think that's the earliest, but I do think their season is kind of laid out kind of interesting for how that could play out for Fields uh cuz their bye week is week 10. And I think that's something to watch for because after that they do host the Ravens, which should be a tough game, but after that they're playing the Lions. Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, and Vikings again uh, to end out the season. Um, which I wouldn't be afraid, depending on how Fields progresses and practices for the first 10 weeks. Um, I'd probably be tempted to get him involved down the stretch. Uh, obviously, depending on where you are as a team and how Dalton is playing, which I think, you know... I mean, floor probably isn't going to be much worse than they were last year, but his ceiling isn't going to be super high either. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, when they decide to make the call, if it's this season at all. Um, I hope so, just because he is that good of a talent that, you know, the fans want to see what they got. But, um yeah, all in all, like this is a team that beat Tampa Bay last year with Nick Foles as their starting quarterback. So the defense not is the first super... time, <laughs> not the first team to do that. No. Uh, also, how weird is yep. it that Nick Foles is it's the third string quarterback right now? I mean, that's probably the best quarterback room in the league. When you well, think about Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, Nick right? Foles, like. Because Nick it's Foles is yeah. the backup on pretty much any other team. Yeah, I mean, it's nice luxury to have in case of the emergency of emergencies ever happen. You have all this quality proven talent at the position. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like, do you. 
do you think they end up rostering all three? Uh, do you think maybe some team makes a call for Foles? Or I don't know. What do you think? I gotta think a team. I gotta think a team does at some point that maybe a team that you know thinks they can compete and want a safe backup just in case. I would find it weird to have Nick Foles sitting at third string on the Bears. Now, like when the Colts had all those, all that stuff going down with Carson Wentz's injury, I was really hoping to see the Colts try to go get Nick Foles to play in Frank Reich's offense. I, I think that would, would have been a good mesh. Now, apparently Wentz is going to be ready for week one. So I guess seemingly there's not the need, although Wentz is very super injury volatile. So mm-hmm. I, I think if you're the Colts, you'd still want to go after Foles just in case. I, it's hard to trust Wentz to stay healthy at all. So if that's a, if there's a team that would, I, I could see maybe Indianapolis, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's definitely the best fit. Just with the, uh, just with the experience under Reich already. Um, but can you imagine being Carson Wentz in that situation? Like you finally get free, you get your fresh start, and here comes the guy that stole your job and your glory and your Super Bowl Super Bowl run. Yep. Big yeah. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that would definitely be the best fit. I don't really know who's in desperate need of a good backup right now, but yeah, you definitely have to see once the season starts. Um, you know, if injuries start piling up around the league, I think he's definitely high on the watch list for that. Yeah. Because, like, you people, you can say what you want about him, but he's played. He's a Super Bowl MVP. There's far worse you can do than Nick Foles or even an Andy Dalton. So, from a relative yeah. quarterback play standpoint, they're not terrible as backups or even bridge starters. So, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, kind of switching notes over to the defense right now. Um, historically, they've been really good the last few years. They were above average, um, but I think they definitely might suffer a little bit without Kyle Fuller. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on some of the young corners they had there, uh, especially looking at Jalen Johnson and Kendall Wilder, uh, second and fifth round picks in 2020. Uh, who did see quite a bit of action last year. Um, and they didn't really make any moves aside from Desmond Trufant, who's been hit or miss uh, for as long as I can remember, um, to really address that quarterback room. So, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, but, yeah, I think worst-case scenario, defense should be about the same kind of scenario they were last year. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Do you have anything bad there? I mean, their front seven should be really good, led by Khalil Mack, and they've typically had good defenses in recent years. So I would expect them to, what, be around average, you think? Yeah, I think at worst. Um, Like, they could be, you know, kind of around that top 10 zone, potentially. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's too early to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. Yeah, 
I think with that, I'm ready to go into the predictions if you're all clear. Yeah, um, I'm all good. <laughs> awesome. So for my optimistic for them, I had 10 and 7, which I think is fair if that defense is if that defense does kind of get into that top 10 range, um, if Dalton or Fields um, can get that offense going, I think, yeah, if the offense can produce at an above average level and the defense is playing really well, they could, yeah, they could see 10 wins, maybe even more this year. Um, realistic, which I think looking back now is probably pretty low. I had five and 12. Uh, I don't really think that's fair looking back at it. Um, yeah, I think they're. I think they should be more competitive than that. I don't really remember how that played out for me. Um, I'm pessimistic. It was pretty bad at two and fifteen. Um, definitely a lot that could go wrong there, uh, especially with the offense and if the defense doesn't really do its job. Um, so yeah, looking back, I don't really love those realistic and pessimistic predictions, but. I think definitely like they won, they went eight and eight last year. Um, I think they could definitely improve on that if they play their cards right. Um, but if not, there's definitely a lot that could go wrong for them. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and to give mine, my optimistic is just one less one than yours at a nine and eight, which would technically be in, Upgrade from last season at eight and eight, at nine and eight. Uh, my realistic is seven and ten, which is a couple more wins than yours. I just think it's you know their defense is is around average, maybe above average, and their um Justin Fields plays at some point and maybe steal some games for them. Uh, and pessimistic's four and thirteen is basically just that their defense is ball average and their offense just never gets it going. And if whenever Fields comes in, he struggles. That's what the pessimistic would be. Although I don't expect that. I, I expect Fields to be pretty solid whenever he does take the field, assuming it's this. And I expect their defense to be to be pretty solid above average unit. You know, altogether, I don't think they have like a super super high ceiling, but they should be really competitive if. Yeah, if things go their way. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Definitely a lot to watch there with the quarterback situation. If that defense can get back up to par. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting things going on in Chicago, which is good for them. <laughs> Bear down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's enough of that. Looking at the last team, the Lions, which should project as the worst team in the division, but I think they're still, they still have a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So losses this off season, obviously the big one was Matthew Stafford, uh, but they also lost like their top three receivers, which is insane. And Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola. Um, So a lot of turnover in that receiving room. Um, as well as Desmond Trufant, who just mentioned is in Chicago now. Uh, linebacker, former first-round pick, uh, Jared Davis. And then return specialist, Jamal Agnew. Um, I believe he is in Jacksonville now, but I don't remember for sure. 
Um, and then on the flip side, they brought in Jared Goff in that swap for Stafford. Um, wide receiver Terrell Williams, formerly of the Raiders, didn't get a lot of playing time there, spent a lot of time um, battling some injuries. And then Michael Brockers, defensive lineman from the Rams, who, um, you know, infamously had some words to share about Jared Goff. (laughs) They weren't teammates anymore. And then now they're back. So that's kind of funny. Um, (laughs) Another wide receiver, Brashad Perriman. um, Corner, Nickel Roby Coleman of 20... 18 NFC championship fame. Um, if you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> former Saints linebacker Alex Anzalone, uh, Jamal Williams coming over from the division rival Packers. And then in the draft, they landed um, obviously Panay, and that's how you say it. I don't know for sure. Uh, I think it's Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell. Um, yeah. I'm no language expert so my apologies there uh obviously yeah tackle out of oregon great draft pick in the top 10 presumably um a steal yeah i mean if you can have much of a steal in the top 10 but yeah um yeah but for the circumstance yeah yeah for sure uh and then later in the draft um Amon Ra St. Brown out of USC, a receiver who a lot of my scouting friends are really big on. So definitely a name to watch. Um, I think the biggest thing I noticed with how they went into this offseason is they definitely know, they're definitely very aware of where they're at, uh, which I respect. Um, just letting, being able to let Stafford go and then not being too aggressive uh, in free agency um, to really. Yeah, I think they're definitely going with the slow builds, which is fair. Um, <laughs> honestly, when I first went and did the predictions, I I was really low on them at the time. Uh, but now really thinking about it, they, they're better than I thought. Because um, at first I was like, ah, golf sucks. Their receivers suck. They got nothing. Their defense is bad. <laughs> they're not going to win a game. Um, but then looking now, they, they do have a really good offensive line. Um, I think DeAndre Swift should have a better role this year. Uh, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year, which is very solid, and led the team in catch percentage, um, which is impressive. Um, and then obviously TJ Hawkinson finally coming into his own as a first-round tight end. So they do have some things working for them outside of their receiving group, which is very unproven. Um, But yeah, they definitely have some personnel in place that they can put together some form of offense. I don't know. What do you think? I found it funny when you said that golf sucks, your mic got much louder on my phone. So it's just like, golf sucks. (laughs) I suck. I found that pretty funny. But yeah, I, I actually like I actually kinda like I like their offensive line. I think they're building it up and I can see it being elite pretty soon. I like Swift and Hawkinson, like you said. And um yeah, like I 
Goff's been a term that I use to describe him golfful. <laughs> and I just don't, I, he just can't really read a defense. He makes really dumb decisions sometimes. I, I just don't, I don't think he's it for their future. And um, I think the Lions know that too, because I think they were looking at a quarterback. Because I remember reading a quote from Jerry Goff that said, uh, I just, I'm happy to be a place where I'm wanted. And then a report came out and the Lions were looking for a quarterback in the draft. <laughs> I found that hilarious, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd just be interested to see how he does. He, he's not good under pressure, like when pressured by a defense, but I could see him, which yeah, he's not good when pressured by a defense, but um, with that offensive line, he should be pretty well protected. Uh, the wide receivers really aren't there. Um, overall in their team, I'm not big on – I'm not really big on uh, the quarterback, obviously. Their secondary weapons and their linebacking core, which I know is like the bulk of a football team. <laughs> I think that's just where the Lions are right now. However, I do think they're building themselves up well for the future. Uh, Motor City Dan Campbell looks like an energizing forerazer for this team. Think like the Dolphins a couple years ago with Brian Flores when they traded away. A ton of good players on their team, including Minka Fitzpatrick. Yet we're still a pretty competitive squad. Like it was a 2019 Dolphins, so I I could see that the Lions being a lot like them, a team with missing a lot of talent and a lot of positions, yet still being competitive, relatively competitive versus their talent level. So I don't think things are totally low in Detroit after trading their franchise quarterback. I, I could see them being pretty good. In, in, like how I look at the Jets. I thought it's yeah. not going to be good right now. But they have, they have a lot of building blocks for the future, despite how, you know, how, how low amount of success that they've had in recent years. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, obviously, yeah, a lot of pressure on Goff uh, because – the only year we've seen from him without Sean McVay as his head coach was in his rookie year when he started seven games, lost every single one, completed 54.6% of his passes, threw five touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, Yikes. So the floor is Go pretty off. low. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Part of me is like, yeah, he'll probably be average, but another part of me is like, how funny would it be if Jared freaking Goff just took this ragtag Lions team on an absolute tear this year? Like, can you imagine? I mean, it it would be it would be hilarious. And the weird thing about Jared Goff is whenever he has an all time low for him, he has an all time high. He has a terrible rookie season. The next year he's a pro bowler leading one of the better offenses in football to the playoffs. It just feels like, I, I said, like, it wouldn't, it's as weird as it sounds, because I've been kind of ragging on him for the time we've been talking about him. Yeah. But I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow had the Lions better than what we expect. And it would just be hilarious. It would be. It would be just objectively hilarious. It would be really good. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I would love to see it. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't just like with how big of underdogs this team is right now. And Jared Goff is this first overall cast off. Um, yeah, I think that would be really funny. Um, I do remember the time when he had a uh, Halloween costume where it was Malibu's most wanted and they captioned it, don't be hating. So I guess <laughs> I'm not going to be hating on him. I'm, I'm going to be uh, eager to see what they do down there in Detroit, although. I'm not, I'm not optimistic for them. Yeah, I think I don't expect too much. Um, yeah, before we get into the defense, I wanted to say a little bit about this coaching staff. Obviously, Dan Campbell's been a headline maker <laughs> since he got the job, uh, just with some of the crazy things that he would say. <laughs> um, but I think, yes, let me to know um, – he served as the assistant head coach under Sean Payton in New Orleans. Um, and the one thing I thought was really interesting about him was that he played on the 08 Lions uh, that hmm. infamously went 0-16. Uh, but then the next year, he was on the roster. He missed a lot of time with injuries, but he was on the roster with the Saints that went on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think it's really interesting and valuable for a coach to know those highs and those lows. Um, mm. I think that's very helpful going into a situation like this where they're not supposed to be great right away. Um, I think he understands that. And I think, yeah, hopefully he has an idea of what to do uh, moving forward. And um, as far as assistants go, Anthony Lynn jumps out as as a former head coach um historically a solid offense behind him so yeah i thought that was just something interesting to note um i don't know did you have anything to add there before you move on to the defense no not really um i think he's going to be a floor raiser for a team and that's actually really interesting i didn't know that he was a part of Lions in the Super Bowl winning Saints. It's kind of like golf, the all-time low to an all-time high. So, um, yeah, and it's it's just nice experience for him to know, you know, to not to be mean, to get used to being on the Lions yeah. for the 0-16 season. But then um, to see success and see to see what a really bad team looks like in this and what they do in this year, really good team and what they do and to kind of understand that, that dichotomy, I think is really worthwhile experience for a guy who wants, who is a head coach. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at like uh, specifically a lot of the Patriots assistants that branch off into head coaches. Um, and a lot of them just don't click. And I wonder if that's part of it is that they, They've just been so successful for so long that it's just frustrating when, you know, mm-hmm. everything isn't going your way. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's definitely valuable experience for a head coach to have. Um, but, yeah, moving on, looking at the defense, simply were not good really at all last year. Um, they finished last in points allowed, last in total yards allowed, last in first downs allowed second last in takeaways um, and then last in net yards per pass attempt 
and last in rushing touchdowns. Um, a whole lot of last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's kind of like what um, Ricky Bobby's dad said, if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, they were definitely, definitely not first. Um, <laughs> and I'm a little worried because they didn't do a ton to address the defense. Um, so hopefully it's just an experience thing. One highlight uh, is that Romeo Aquara, their pass rusher, did have 10 sacks, um, which I think was roughly top 10 in the league. I don't remember exactly where it ranked. I think I can check here, actually. Um, but that was over guys like DeForest Buckner, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Khalil Mack, Cam Jordan, and Chase Young. Um, yeah, sorry. So that was right at number 10. Uh, so that is something promising. For He was 25 last season, so he'll be, yeah, around 26 going into this year. Um, definitely a high note, something to look forward to. And then... One other thing I was looking at was that um, you got to see more out of Jeff Okuda uh, yeah. going into this year. Um, just with how he kind of underwhelmed as a top pick like that. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's always going to be kind of a gamble drafting a corner in the top five like they did. But... It- and then ask him to be your number one corner as well. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, you look at some of the receivers in that division um, with, yeah, like we said earlier, Devontae Adams. Uh, you got both the guys in Minnesota and Allen Robinson, who, yeah, all four of those guys could easily be top 15 in the league. Um, this is a big ask, especially, you know, no training camp last year, no preseason uh, so yeah, literally straight into the fire. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, he'll get a step up there. Um, but yeah, did you have anything to add to the defense before we get into the predictions? Not really, honestly. I, I think obviously they're a very lackluster unit and I don't expect them to be much better, but, um, I could see it being something they build down there in Detroit, and I could see Akuda putting it together. I think he's really talented, and I, and I do think that he's going to be a quality corner. I don't know about an elite one, but I could see him being a very quality corner. Yeah, um, even if they don't get a lot better, I don't think they could really get much worse than they were last year. So, Literally. definitely looking yeah. up. Um but yeah, going into the predictions, uh, like I said, I was initially really low on them, um, but I've kind of evened out a little bit. It was still hard to reflect. Um, I'll, I'll just go in. So I, I started out optimistic. I have eight and nine, which, like we said, if, um, if this offense just clicks, if they're able to steal a few games that they really shouldn't win, um, definitely in the realm of possibility. Uh, for the realistic, I ended up at two and fifteen. I initially had it lower, and then I had to kind of go back in, and yeah, it was just tough looking back, uh, kind of guessing which of those games they are gonna pull through with. Um, and the pessimistic is like one in sixteen. Um, 
just with how bad that defense was last year and how many question marks there are on offense, if Goff can be competent, if they're going to have anyone outside of TJ Hawkinson that can catch a football. Um, so there's definitely a lot that can go wrong. I think four to six wins is probably more likely than I have on paper here. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll have to see. Like with the new career, there's just a lot of moving parts here uh, with, yeah, like you said, like the offense, the coaching staff, um, a lot of room for error which you don't love to see and definitely makes it hard to project something really good for them right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I, I, I think pretty optimistic is the exact same as you are today. Running lanes, maybe um, golf supersedes our expectations. I, could kind of see that, although I really don't. Realistic is 4-12 for me, which is a couple more wins than you had. I'll expect their defense to be lackluster once more, but their offensive line and run game to be pretty solid, and maybe they get some production out of their receiving core. And Pessimistic is 2-14. and 14. Um, And things go wrong. Defense is really bad. Offense doesn't do anything. You know, them being one of the lower or lower teams, or if you think positively, one of the higher teams in the draft order. <laughs> so, um, two and 14, yeah, I, I think it's pessimistic, but um, my realistic is four and 12. I think that they could surprise some people to a relative degree. Yeah, I think, um, all jokes aside, they, they're kind of built in a way that. They are a really solid underdog um, that, like I said, should be able to steal a couple games um, if a team will play, if they catch a team playing down to their level. So, yeah, I think they're at a pretty pretty decent position for the future. Um, Just with the pieces they have in place, especially with that offensive line and some of those weapons. Um, But they're also not going to be too good right now that they should be in good position this time next year to kind of build off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on the ups in my opinion. So this season will probably stink, but I could see them being pretty good in a couple of years from now. Yeah, as long as they show some promise, uh, just with that young talent especially. Um, interesting to see what Goff will pull out of the bag if he'll – be okay if he'll be terrible uh what they'll do there um (laughs) he'll be golf exactly um yeah i think that's that's kind of where we leave things off for today Uh, unless you add anything else to add last minute no i really don't I, i think this division will be pretty solid at the top with the vikings and green bay uh for the bears i'm really just excited to see justin fields whenever he plays and for the Lions, I'll just be excited to see the uh, levels of golfulness. So, uh, <laughs> so um, hope that uh, everybody in the Lions can keep their kneecaps. And um, <laughs> and it should, it should be an interesting division, or at least at the top. Yeah, I think especially um, just with how, how historic the, these teams are, uh, it's always fun to see 
how things play out over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Green Bay is definitely the big brother until proven otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on the Vikings for sure. Um, maybe the Bears, depending on how things go. And yeah, I'll have to see what the Lions can pull out. Um, but I think that is all for today. We'll be back next time. I uh, don't know exactly when, but we'll be back to you talking about the NFC South, which should be a lot of fun talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and whoever else is still over there. Um, <laughs> any signs of hope would be nice. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, hope you're enjoying the predictions so far. Glad you tuned in and hope to see you back next time. Thank you for listening. All right. Take care, everybody.